What's up, Harvest Church? Hey, you are in for a real treat today because one of our favorite missionaries on planet Earth is about to minister to you. She is an apostle of God. She's a Bible school planter. She's a worship leader. She's a phenomenal Bible teacher. Um, and she's super smart, always challenging the rest of us and encouraging us to learn and grow in our own faith and our own walk with God. But she is also a woman who knows how to flow in the Holy Spirit. So you're in for a real treat all the way from Kathmandu, Nepal. Would you please stand up, give a great big Harvest Church welcome to Tony Haskell. you and good morning it's awesome to be with you you can be seated harvest church praise god glad to be with you this is my my second time visiting when pastor kevin and adrian have been gone so i am super blessed that they trust me with their people you know for pastors that's a big deal and so i trust the lord that he has a good word for you all this morning and i'm glad that we're together as you may or may not know, this church is a partner with us in ministry. I've been on the mission field 20 years, celebrated that last uh, November, and have known your pastors almost that long. And uh, 10 years ago, we went to Kathmandu, Nepal, to start a Bible school. Pastor Kevin was our first guest in our Bible school there. As you know, your pastors have a great heart for the nations. Amen. And you're blessed to be in a church that has a big vision, and that concerns you. In fact, I believe that's part of the reason why you're in this church, because God has a big vision. And so since I was here last, um, we are not only have our school in Kathmandu, but our team there started another Bible school in Sikkim, India, which I guess you have other missionaries from there as well. But, you know, I'm telling you guys that for the church to be strong in the nations, there's got to be training. All of us have different calls, and we're going to talk about that this morning. What is your call, and, and what is your place in the body of Christ? One key to your calling is what is not okay with you. You know, none of us like... Um, we, we all have a call to every part of the church's ministry, but what is it that in your heart you just say, like, I have to do something about this. That's a key to your particular calling. And for me, that happens when I go into a nation and I see a pastor, like the many I've seen that are up in a village, they're usually very poor, they give their life to Jesus. They're serving him by serving others, and yet they have little or no equipment for their calling. They have little or no Bible training. Sometimes they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. They definitely need, don't have any money or resources. Here, if you want to learn something, you can get a book or even go online. But there in many places, they don't have as much access to the resources that we have. Amen? So when I see those pastors giving their life, it's my passion, my calling to go and to give them some tools, give them some equipment from the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit to be empowered to do their ministry. That's something that you all probably get every Sunday just by coming to church here. But many, many leaders in the world, many Christians in the world, they don't have any access to that. And so that's my calling. But, you know, what is your calling? 
All of us have a calling, and we are living in the day, guys, where God is fitly joining us in the body for a bigger purpose than any one of us could do on our own. And so um, we recently, a year and a half ago, started a new Bible school in Peru, which was a real surprise for me. I was like, I'm not called to South America, I'm called to Asia. But, you know, we had been praying in our Bible school in Nepal for the next season that, that God would make us more fruitful, more efficient, more effective. And I was thinking like, Lord, I don't have like 10 or 12 more years to go spend in one location to build something. Fine, send me to a place where there's already a network, there's already leaders, and what they're saying is we need training. Because that's my part in the body of Christ, amen? So I began to realize that Peru was just such a divine connection. And we are working with a church there in Peru that the pastor went to Bible school 15 years ago. In Bible school, received a call to plant a church. His church is like 700 people now. They have four services on Sunday, and they have a vision to plant more churches in unreached areas. And so the pastor was crying out to the Lord saying, um, Lord, how am I ever going to do this? I need more people. Send me people. And what God told him was, everybody you need is already right here in your church. So then he began to pray, well, then I need some kind of a training like the one I went to where I discovered the call of God for my life. Because if these people are here, they need to see it. They need to be equipped for it. And so that's how we got connected. And now we have um, just are ha half a year away from graduating our first group there, having 80, 80 leaders from one church in Bible school there in Arequipa, Peru, which to me, in the experience I've had, I know what that's going to do. Because, guys, when you go beyond Sunday church attendance to growing in the Word and growing in the knowledge of God, all that does is give you more vision of what God has for you. God wants to position us, right? And so, um, as I come this morning, it's with thanks for those of you who have partnered with us with sponsoring students and the church in general partnering with us. But I was told this last week that you're in a series on baggage, and so they said, you don't have to preach on baggage, but you can if you want. And I was like, hmm, I have a message plan. How can I fit this in? But God brought it right to my attention. I travel, right? In fact, next week I'll be traveling. I'll be traveling to Asia. And I had days in the past where I didn't know how to travel, but now I do know how to travel. And I like to travel light so I can move fast through the airport. So if you guys have that picture, this this is how I want to travel. <laughs> this is the wannabe me with the really cool luggage and I can handle it all, right? But unfortunately in the past, and some of us today, we travel with more than we can carry. This is how I used to travel and that's how I don't want to travel anymore. And so there is a difference between luggage and baggage. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about today. First of all, getting rid of baggage because you only need, you're on a journey, guys, and you're on a travel trip toward a destiny. And so God wants you to get rid of all these things that are dragging you down, that are distracting you, and get you on a course with the tools you need to be effective and efficient and prosperous and fruitful in the things he's called you to do. Amen? So why do people carry baggage? 
Who would want to? You know, when I first started on the mission field, I just always had all these things I thought I needed until I got hauling that big cart around. And I'm like, really? Sometimes you go on a trip and you didn't even use these things that you brought with you. So why do people carry extra baggage? I want to show you a picture of Rajesh. Rajesh uh, was really weighed down with baggage. <laughs> on the picture on the right there, he's a graduate of our last year Bible school in Kathmandu. And he came to us because we have friends from Germany who did street ministry, and they rescued him, a drug addict, and a, his girlfriend and another young man who were drug addicts on the street. They prayed with them to receive Jesus. He and his girlfriend got married. They all got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the couple brought them to church and said, do you guys have any discipleship materials in Nepali? We just got these three kids born again. And so the church said, well, we, we don't have anything printed, but the Bible school dunamis is starting next week. Maybe they could enroll. And so they did, and we ended up with these three new believers in our group of leaders that we were training. Now, incidentally, last year's group, which was our ninth class in Kathmandu, we had 53 graduate. And you'll see a, a, a little promo film at the end of my message that will show you their faces. 53, they came from 27 different churches. They came from two different nations, India and Nepal. They were men and women, pretty equal in numbers. They ranged in age from 15 to 60 years old. And as far as maturity, all the way from new believers like Rajesh to senior pastors, those people in the villages I was talking about that, that need the equipment. And so amazingly, only in the Holy Spirit can God take that many different kinds of people and put them together in one group where we could grow together every day. And when I say we, even us teachers, you know, when you're on a, a journey with the Holy Spirit, you're going to learn new things every day about God. He's always revealing more of himself. So uh, we really have the diversity in that group of students. But look at the difference. This was just four months later when Rajesh graduated. I love that picture because I just see the light in his eyes. And that's what happens to a, a believer when they go from just meeting Jesus to actually finding out that God has a plan for their life. I mean, how many of you remember, or maybe some of you haven't even seen it yet, but when you realize, wow, you mean God could use me? I mean, I remember being um, a mom. I had little kids. I, was, I loved Jesus. Went to Bible study, small group like Pastor Kevin was promoting. And, you know, I remember when the realization came to me that God had something for me to do. And honestly, I was shocked because I, I thought so little of myself, like many of us do, that I would have never dreamed that God, the mighty God, the great God, the all-powerful God, could actually use my life. And, you know, yet that is what he did, has done, and what he has planned for you. And so the first obstacle, the baggage that we have to lay down, and the reason Rajesh was in, on drugs and on the street was because he didn't have the vision of what God had for him. Life can be pointless. Life can be hopeless, especially with a disadvantaged past like those kids had. And so 
the first reason people are carrying baggage is because they don't know their own value. They don't see that God has put something special inside of them that he wants. You know, we, we, I'm sure you've been taught the Ephesians prayer. The Ephesians prayer in Ephesians 1, it's that we pray for ourselves, we pray for the church, we pray for each other. Number one, that we would know the hope of his calling. First thing I notice about that is it's actually not your calling. It's his calling in you. It's a part of his calling is in each one of us. Jesus is calling. Know the hope of his calling. Two, it says the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So again, I used to think that meant, oh, he has all these good things. He's going to inherit. I'm going to inherit peace, joy. And it does mean that. But more than that, it says he has an inheritance in you. Wow. So what that means is Jesus died to put something in you that he wants to receive back. And so his, what he can do in the earth is 100% dependent on what we do as the church. Someone, we're trying to, one of the men from the early service gave me a name. I don't remember it. I, but someone said that the graveyard is the richest place on earth. It says in the graveyard is where is buried all the inventions that were never developed, all the books that were never written, all the songs that were never sung. God has many things for his people, but it all begins by knowing he has put value in me. Lest I, before I go on, number three is that we know the greatness, exceeding greatness of his power toward us, through us. And so God has put value of his call in you. He wants something back from your life, and he's get, he has all the power available to bring that to pass. But he does need our yes. He needs our choice. Amen? And so... First, people need to find, see the call, find the purpose. I believe that primarily happens in church. You know, I was a Christian a long time before I was committed to a local church. And I loved Jesus and he loved me, but I never found my place or my calling till I put my hand to the work of God. I, I remember going to church. I'm from Colorado, going to church. And I had um, four kids at that, no, five kids at that time. And I remember they asked me, you know, could you help with worship? It was a, a growing church, a beginning church. And I, I said, you know, I just don't know if I can. I mean, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> but I'll try. And I remember going, committing to go to that worship rehearsal every week. And that was the beginning of the plan of God for my life. <laughs> and if I had never gone, would I have ever found that? Something about committing in the local church is, and plugging in is the beginning of a journey that is revealed day by day, step by step. You don't, you don't uh, start out where you're going to end up. You start out just putting your hand to something. But from that worship team, which became such a... Actually, in the atmosphere of worship is where I began to see the nations. And so it goes step by step. But really, Christians that don't involve themselves in a local church have difficulty sometimes finding what they're called to do because you're part of a body. Okay, so the first reason is they don't see their value. Members don't see their value. 
Second reason why people carry around baggage, oh, wait, my scripture, 1 Peter 4.10. As each one of us has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the many-sided grace of God. And so each one, it says, has a gift. That means you. And yet it says we are stewards of that gift. Steward means you take care of something. You protect something. You grow something. You nurture something. And so the many-sided grace of God, God has many varieties of gifts and callings, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So some people don't see their value. Secondly, people have other priorities, and that can really be baggage. And, you know, we were talking in the early service about times and seasons. There could be something that was luggage in one season of your life that now has become baggage because we're on a journey. So, you know, I used to, the, the cool luggage the girl had, the white roll-on things, you're not going to bring those to Nepal unless you want them to get banged up in the back of a minivan or something. So you're, when you go to Nepal, you better just bring the backpack with wheels, you know, the rolling duffel bag. So, you know, you might need different pieces of luggage at different seasons of your life. So being distracted with the wrong priorities can become baggage to you. And when I was thinking of that, I, I thought about Martha and Mary in Luke 10 and how, you know, all of us, I always think if, it, if I was Martha and Jesus was coming to my house, you guys are Southern, I know you like Southern hospitality. <laughs> I've been entertained in the South. It's not done lightly. It has some value to it. So Martha, was she really doing something wrong by saying, you know, I want everything to be perfect. We got a lot of people to feed. I want the food to be good. Mary, you need to help me. But Jesus said, Martha, you are distracted with too much serving. And that word in the Greek, perispeo, distracted, one of the translations from the Strong's is to drag around. So, you know, you're distracted. It means like you're, you're carrying around a bunch of stuff that you don't need to be carrying. And so what has God called you to at this season of your life? And what might you need to lay down to pick, pick, <coughs> sorry, pick up my voice. <coughs> pick up. That's never happened to me before. Except when I was singing. to pick up water, <laughs> the call that he has for you, and to run, be able to run fast in this day. We are living in a day where God wants some things to happen fast. So, distracted. Jesus said, you're worried and troubled and carrying, dragging around too many things, but he said, Mary has done the good part. She's seeking me. And so I encourage you guys today if you're feeling weighted down, if you're feeling harassed, if you're feeling pulled in every direction, and I know especially for some of the young moms and people that are parents that are taking care of kids and working and trying to serve God, you can feel so stretched. But God has a perfect uh, structure for you right now at this time of your life. Amen? I was talking to, you know, uh, uh, Anne here between the services who's a mom. And, and she has kids 
who have friends, and we were just as we were talking, it was becoming so real to me that, um, you know, kids need places to hang out today because the world's not the same as it was when I was a child. People are afraid to let their kids be out. They don't, young people don't have hangout places like we used to. So they hang out on their phones and they hang out in their rooms and everybody's griping at them all the time, get off your phone. And what they really need is a place to hang out. They'd rather hang out with friends than a phone, but they need places. So what a great opportunity for Christian families to invite people the young people into the home. My, I know my grandkids have friends that, that don't have families. The family structure is not the same anymore. And they, they so love to be around a house where there's a mom and a dad and there's a family structure and there's love. That's a God pattern that, that we in the church have that many others in the world don't have. And so that may be your call right now. And you might say, but I'm called to the nations. Yeah, but right now you're called to the nations right around you. And so what has God called you to do right now? Don't be distracted by what you used to do or what you're trying to do. Let's go to the presence of God and find out what am I supposed to be doing right now. Amen? There's been things in my life I had to set aside, even things God gave me. And there's also been things I set aside for a time, and I got them back in another time. So, you know, there's a grace of God upon you to do what he's called you to do now. And it shouldn't be harsh. Jesus said, if you're yoked with me, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. It shouldn't be hard and harsh and sharp and pressing. It should be light and easy to be born. So if it's not, maybe you have some baggage. How are you going to know? Get in the presence of the Lord. He'll tell you. So some don't see their part. Others are distracted. And third, sometimes we can't get to our, our journey. We have baggage because we have unforgiveness and we have strife and we have offense. And, and this is a big one. I'm sure probably you'll have a whole message on this because when we do love Jesus and we do go to church and we do want to follow his plan, Satan's one weapon against us is to put division between us and other people in the body because we need other people. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to head with the message now when we talk about luggage. You know what? You're traveling in the kingdom, but you're not traveling alone. Everything God does is always about the one, but it's never just about the one. When God wants something done, he looks for one. But he never just ends up with, it's all about you. You are a seed. You, he wants to invest in you to affect others. And so anywhere in the kingdom that we're traveling, we're going to be traveling with somebody else. And that means we need to learn to love. That scripture in 1 Peter 4.8 which I guess the first one I read, I should have put these in context, 1 Peter 4.10, as each one's received a gift, two verses prior to that, it says in the message, most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. And so, you know, why do you think we have 1 Corinthians 12, which I'm going to get to next, on the gifts 
and how they operate. And then we have 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> I show you a more excellent way. Love is like the, the glue that holds the body together. And love is necessary and love is needed because we have a variety of different types of people, different types of callings, different types of gifts. And so, sorry to say, but the flesh is ethnocentric. <laughs> Meaning, the flesh is like, everyone should be like me. Everyone should have my personality. Everybody should do, like to do what I like to do. Entertain the way I entertain. And I went to a meeting once um, at a church in Colorado. It was like a revival-type meeting. And the people there were so different than what I was used to. It was very casual, kind of hippie-like people. <laughs> and so the pastor, who's I won't name, but a really esteemed pastor that I think like is almost like someone you look up to, he was up there preaching, and somebody behind me just stood up and said, Preach it, Bill. And I was like, ah, who would say that? <laughs> to pastor, you know, that's not our culture. But you know what God told me? He said, he really convicted me. And he said, you know what? When you entertain, you like to set the table really beautiful and prepare nice food. He said, but other people, they invite you over to their house and they have paper plate and pizza. And he said, they're still my kids. <laughs> They just have a different family culture. And I was like, okay. So you see, God has many ways. And that brings me to my two main texts, which is Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. Ephesians 4 you're probably familiar with. It says, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And then it goes on to say, till, verse 13, we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so this is written by Apostle Paul, who is the great uh, unveiler of the mystery, which is the church, the body of Christ. And he's saying here that Jesus gave these fivefold ministries not to do the work of ministry, but to equip the body. And then he goes on to say that we wouldn't be children tossed to and fro, but we grow up into a complete, full-grown man. So to me, this is an end-time message because the church has been growing through centuries of time. You know, from Jesus' day till today, just like a sunrise, there's been more and more revelation of God's plan for the earth and of God's plan for us as the church. And so I'm challenging you, and I've, I've been challenged myself by this word, that you know, we, need to look, we need to look like a body. We need to grow up to look like Jesus. And Jesus has many parts in many ways. 1 Corinthians 12, the, I was in Peru a couple weeks ago. I was teaching on the gifts, and this is when I kind of got this revelation of this, which I think is like a tip of an iceberg. There's a lot more here. I'm just beginning to see it. But 1 Corinthians 1, Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual things, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. And yet, many of us are. 
But then he goes on to say there are differences of graces but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries or ways of distributing, that word means, but the same Lord. And there are differences of operations. Energy is the base word for that. Operating systems, but the same God who works all in all. And it says the manifestation of the spirits given to each one to benefit or profit all. And so notice he says spirit, Jesus the Son, and Father God. Three different parts of one God and one purpose. And he's really saying there's lots of ways here. Okay, and then he gets into verses 7 through 10, which is what I was teaching on. For to one is given word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of healing, special faith. These are what we call the gifts of the Spirit. But I began to realize when I was teaching that that it's only three verses of the chapter. He's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, church. And then he's not just talking about these nine gifts. He goes on to say, because the body... <laughs> is one, but it has many different members, okay? So if we want to be spiritual, we need to understand the differences, the diversity of graces and gifts in the body. And, and when I say that, I'm looking at all of you and thinking, what are their gifts? How do they fit? What is the gift of this church compared to, say, other churches in the city? Because everybody's a part of that calling, his calling. And yet, I also think bigger because I'm a missionary, so I'm thinking of nations. I'm thinking of, you know, all that I learned from Filipinos from being in the Philippines for 12 years. You know, when you first go into a different culture, it's frustrating because they don't do stuff like you, just like me in that conference. That isn't the way we treat people. We don't, we don't stand up and say, yeah, break it, bro. We're like, hello, sir, you know. So we get frustrated by the different cultures, but yet they're all God's family. And the thing is, is they have something for me as an American. I've learned from their cultures. I've learned a lot about relational. You know, in the Philippines, if someone invites me to lunch, here in America, it's lunch. I got 30 minutes. <laughs> there in the Philippines, I mean, it means we're spending the afternoon together. We're going to stroll through the mall arm in arm. We're going to be talking. You know, you have to be ready to spend time because that's what they do in their culture. So, you know, I've learned that. I've learned to take my time and, and enjoy people and not always be in a rush, rush all the time. So when God's talking about the body, we have something for one another. Let's go and read some of these uh, verses from 1 Corinthians 12. The Passion translation of verse 11 says, the same Holy Spirit distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts. Again, those those three words, distributes, activates, operates. Those are the different ways that God works. And, and in verse 14, in the message, he says, the, the body, or verse 12, is, is one and has many members but all the members of that body are one, so is Christ. Then in verse 14 in the message says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less, 
A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. <laughs> it's the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. So that gives me a visual picture of like a giant ear. Your body is not an ear. Your body has an ear or a giant foot. Everybody's not like us. And it takes all of us working together to demonstrate Christ. And what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 12 is this is spiritual. If we want to be spiritual people, we need to understand. We have a place, we have a grace, but it's not the same maybe as the person sitting next to us. And that, again, the next chapter is love. That if we're going to work together, we need to operate in love. So it is all about your choice. But yet it's never just about you. Who are you connected to? Why are you here in Harvest Church? What is there here for you to give? And what is there here for you to receive? This uh, next picture is Nisha, and she's our Batch 3 graduate. And Nisha um, is a very fiery, strong young woman who came to the Bible school and learned the Word and after that, she, she followed the plan for her life, and she ended up working with a ministry that rescues girls and trains them. And so she stayed in contact with us and sent some of those girls to us to be trained. But just recently, Nisha communicated with me that, you know, the Lord had called her now to go out from this ministry and to start her own rescue home for girls. And so um, she was explaining to me what her needs were uh, in the area of, of fin financial partnership, but also people. If you know any people, she said, who want to come and work with the girls, I, I need, you know, help. I need people who can train them to do things. I need ideas, okay? So I'm using Nisha for an example because, you know, on her own, she may have a call, but she may not have all the parts she needs to do that call. Maybe we have some of those parts, you know? The thing about understanding differences is America is no longer the primary mission force. There are missionaries going out from Brazil, from China, from India. Our Nepali missionaries can go where you and I would not even be able to go. And yet, we do have things that they don't have. We have finances, we have resources. These are some of the things the American church has that is very lacking worldwide. And so it's almost like, um, this just came to me, but it's almost like the older and the new generation. You know, we say like the older generation has wisdom, but the younger generation has energy. So like, I need their energy to run and go all these places, but they need what I know to be equipped to run and go. And so that's just an example of how we all have something for the body of Christ. Amen? Traveling together. What has God put in your, your luggage? <laughs> What's your part? Uh, I was in Nepal last year, and I was with my Nepali leadership couple and an American couple that has started a school in Croatia for us. And I was like, Lord, it's just amazing how these couples exactly have my call. It's really amazing. Like you scouted all over the world and you tried to find someone that had my call and you led me to them. 
And then I got this flash of a thought. I'm like, you know, I think it might be more important who you're connected with in terms of your destiny than what you're actually called to do. So yes, you have a calling, but it's not so much your calling that's going to lead you to your destiny, it's your connections, who you're working with, who you're running with, and who you're running with at different seasons. Because I've seen through 20 years on the mission field, everyone who came to help us poured their heart out. God would always multiply what you give. So you come in one way, you go out another way. It, that's what I mean about helping in the local church, right? If you never connect and you never help, there's nothing to multiply. But when you come and you give what you have to help build somebody else's vision, what happens is you grow in, in your gift so that you're qualified like Nisha to say, like, now I'm ready to do this myself. And this is how God builds the kingdom. We are guys joined together for a God purpose in this last day. And God wants the earth filled with the knowledge of his glory, and he wants to use you. He's brought you here at this point in time for his purpose. So let me pray for you, and then I'm going to show you a video of the, the last year's class just to inspire you what God's doing. Amen? Father, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you that you do have a call and a grace and a gift for each one of us. For, Father, for everyone here present today, Holy Spirit, thank you for being our teacher and our counselor and our guide, and you're the one who reveals things to us. So I thank you, Lord, for those who say, I don't know my place, that you are revealing it, that you're giving them steps to take, step by step to get to that place. For those who are running in their race and know their call, I thank you, Lord, for greater grace greater anointing to lay down things that distract and fix our eyes on you, Jesus. You're the beginning, the author, and you're the finisher. And I thank you, Lord, that we will finish strong as we keep our eyes on you. Thank you for guiding us through these seasons of our life for your higher purpose. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. One more thing I want to mention before we run the promo is now that we have these four different schools, um, our fundraising has had to grow, and so we fund the schools by taking student sponsorships, which is a $500 um, donation. We'll, we'll fund a student all the way through the four months of Bible school, or in Peru it's two years. It, it's different in the different places, but funds their, their schooling, and it will really serve to equip one leader to go like Rajesh did from darkness to light. And so if you want to sponsor, we have these cards back at our table, and Lizette can help you just do it online, or you can fill it out and leave it with us as a pledge and send us a check. That will help us a lot, and I know we already have partners in this church, and if that's you, thank you for sponsoring. Um, other than that, other general partnership like the church has also goes in to help the ministry, but this is funding individuals. Oh, and you get a bio. If you fund a student, you get a bio with their story, their picture, so that you can pray for them and even be a part of their future. So bless you, and thank you, and this is uh, Dunamis Batch 9. Thanks for praying for me. I'll be leaving in a week to go back for the next session.
the generation whom God has chosen. We are awakening the nations. We move, we take, we declare, and we reign. We conquer, we defeat, and we show who he is. We are the generation of our father. We are the nation shapers, chain breakers, and kingdom bringers. We are the history makers. We are not afraid of darkness because in him we are the light. We are the church. We are the disciples of Christ. Isaiah, we prepare the way of the Lord. Like David, we seek his heart. Like Moses, we lead the people. And like Christ, we serve, we love, and we demonstrate his kingdom. We have destiny, and we have been set free. We shape history. 
We are transforming this world. We are chosen for such a time as this. Amen, amen. How awesome was that, right? Come on, did y'all get anything out of that message today? How amazing was that?